You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Morning, Asbury. It is an honor and a privilege to be with you this morning. Today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3 and 4. So if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bible or your Bible app and be ready for us as we continue on in our encounter series this morning. Now, I know I don't sound like it right now, but I grew up in South Georgia. Anybody else here from Georgia? Yeah, all right. So I don't have an accent anymore. I've lived, I haven't lived in Georgia for about 10 years, and I've lived in a lot of other places. But there's a couple of times when my accent comes out really strong. One, when I'm tired, I get really Southern, and my friends make fun of me. I have this long Southern drawl that comes out. So, <laughs> uh, so when I am tired, I get really Southern. Or if I've spent time with my family, it's very evident that I am from the South. And my family, they kind of have their own dialect. It's this combination of a Southern drawl and a fast mumble collide together. I'm not sure how that works, but my friends say, you banters talk in your own language. And so it's really evident that I've spent time with my family. Now, before I worked at Asbury, I worked at another Christian university in northern Indiana. And one time I was flying back from Georgia, and it was late at night, so strike number one, it's going to be, I'm going to be really southern. And my friend who's from California picks me up. And so we're driving back to campus, and she's asking me about my trip. And so I'm telling her, and I look over, and she's just laughing. And not just like a little chuckle. I mean, convulsively shaking, laughing. Tears are coming down her face. And I'm like, yo, Candace, what's up? And she said, Jeannie, I cannot understand a word you're saying. And I'm like, Candace, that's a little exaggerating. Like, you can understand me. And she said, she looked at me dead in the face. Jeannie, you need subtitles. (laughs) Thank you. It's evident when I've been with my family because I talk different, my accent changes, and my mannerisms are different. Today, we're going to be talking about Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 and 4, and how it is by their courage that they are known that they have been with Jesus. It's evident to the men and women around them that they have spent time with Jesus because of their courage. In Acts chapter 4, it's 4 verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John... They, meaning the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were, and saw that they were unschooled, ordinary men. These men were fishermen by trade. They had not spent time with the rabbi. Yes, they had spent time with the rabbi Jesus, but he was not known as a rabbi of the day. They were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Men and women, Can the community around you, do they take note that you have been with Jesus? What are the signs that are evident in your life that you have spent time with Jesus? This morning, we're talking about how the Spirit brings boldness. It was the courage of Peter and John that astounded the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, and they took note that they had been with Jesus. Do the people around you take note that you have been with Jesus? 
As we look into Acts chapter 3 and 4, I want to catch us up in the series. So if you remember, Acts begins after Jesus has been resurrected from the dead and before he ascends, he gives the disciples and the believers the command to wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will bring you, give power to be witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so the disciples wait there in Jerusalem and the day of Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes like a rushing wind and they all begin to speak in languages as the Spirit enabled them. And they begin to proclaim the good news to those around them. And this was important because the very first thing the Spirit enabled them to do was to be a witness to the gospel. And at at the festival of Pentecost, all men and women from different countries were there. And so they were able to hear the gospel in their own language. And the gospel spread to 3,000 people that day. People said, oh, those people who were filled with the Spirit, they're drunk. And then Peter gets up and he proclaims the good news telling them to repent and to be baptized in the Spirit for the forgiveness of their sins. And 3,000, think about that, 3,000 people came to know Christ that day because of the Holy Spirit coming and the power to proclaim the good news. And then those believers, they formed a new kind of community that we talked about with Dr. Hull, a new kind of community that was committed to becoming more like Christ, that listened to one another. Remember, we want to be a community that listens to one another, that saw the needs of those around them and did something about it. And they were committed to staying together. So that's where we pick up the story in Acts chapter 3. This morning, we're going to talk about how the Spirit brings boldness. And there's four ways that the Spirit brings boldness that we're going to talk about. So if you're taking notes, number one, and they all kind of have a P in them. So number one, the Spirit brings boldness to perform signs and wonders. Dr. Keener, who is a, a professor across the seminary and who's a commentator of the book of Acts, says that the signs and wonder are a primary way of just appointing and drawing attention to the gospel in the book of Acts. So we don't want to pay attention not just to the signs and wonder, but how does it point to the gospel message? So Acts chapter 3, if you're there, follow along with me. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. There he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to go up to the temple, he asked for them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, thinking that he would get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and immediately his feet and ankles became strong. He jumped up and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they took note and realized he was the same man who sat at the temple gate begging. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. 
That, my friends, is the power of Jesus Christ at work to heal the lame. Can I get an amen? Amen. The power of the risen Christ at work through Peter and John to perform the miracle. That same power is in you. You have the power, if you are a Christ follower, of the resurrected king living inside of you. It is the power of the resurrecting, death, defeating death, sin, and the devil that we live and have life to offer. Power of the name of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure when Peter and John went to pray that day, they had any idea what was in store for them. In fact, we know that Peter and John had been to the temple before, and this man was brought every day to the temple. So the chances that these two had passed one another are pretty high. Yet when the Holy Spirit comes and the power of the name of Jesus is declared, the mundane becomes the miraculous. Dr. Craig Keener says, and what makes this occasion significant for healing is not the disciples merely passing by, but it's the man initiates on the basis of need. It's his acknowledgement of his own need that allows the Holy Spirit to work in his life. The recovery community knows this well. The first step of healing is admitting that you have a need, a problem. Asbury, what is your past or present hurt, pain, suffering, addiction, sin? Do you need to confess this morning so the Holy Spirit can heal? I believe right now things are coming to mind. What he is revealing my friends, he intends to heal. What's holding you back from acknowledging your need this morning? Because it's in the acknowledgement of the need that the Holy Spirit is enabled to act. Now here's the thing about healing. I know Jesus heals. I've seen him heal in my own life but I cannot begin to explain to you why sometimes he heals in certain ways and other times he does not. And I know in a room like this, a lot of you feel the weight of the fact that Jesus did not heal the way that you thought he, that he, thought, that you thought he should or the way that you prayed that he would. Here's what I do know. Jesus heals in more ways than I can begin to imagine. And he doesn't always heal the way that I think he should, but he does always heal. Dr. Stanger from the retired professor at Asbury Seminary helps provide a framework for the ways in which Jesus heals. He gives us four ways to think about healing. First, Jesus heals through the miracle of the supernatural. This instance, the lame man, all of a sudden instantly healed in a moment. We see it throughout the New Testament, time and time again, Jesus healing in an instant through supernatural healing. Sometimes Jesus heals through instantaneous healing. I can point to a section on I-69 in Indiana where Jesus healed me of something that had been plaguing my life for years. I was driving and praying. This was not the first time I prayed for healing. It had been years of praying for healing. But in this moment, in an instant, it was gone. Sometimes Jesus heals through the supernatural healing. Number two, 
Jesus heals through the miracle of modern medicine and doctors. Aren't we so thankful for those doctors, nurses, counselors, those in the helping professions who Jesus uses as vessels of healing in our life? Sometimes the healing comes through doctors, through medication, through counselors, through the process of healing. I'm so thankful for the medication that I take every day that helps heal my body. And I'm thankful for the counselors in my life who have walked me through seasons of anxiety and depression, who have walked me through past hurts and wounds and trauma. I'm so thankful for the healing that God brought through those places. Sometimes Jesus heals the miracle of doctors and modern medicine. Number three, sometimes Jesus heals the, miracle, the power of the healing powers of our own human body. It's incredible how our body isn't able to heal itself. I mean, you think about it, you fall and you get a scrape, and immediately the body sends nutrients to that place and it scabs over to heal the wound. Now, sometimes we have to help ourselves help our body heal by eating healthy. Now I've gone to Medlin. Eating healthy, drinking enough water, exercising, and for goodness sakes, Asbury, please go to bed. <laughs> there is something, your body restores itself through sleep. Amen. Your body restores its, the mind, <laughs> your heart, your emotions while you sleep. Go to bed. My mom, who's a sweet Southern lady, she used to say, sometimes the most holy thing you can do is go take a nap. And she wasn't wrong. <laughs> Asbury, help your body heal itself. Go to bed. Number four, sometimes, and this is the hard one, Jesus heals through the miracle of my grace is sufficient for you. Reniero Cantalo Mesa in the book, Come Holy Spirit, says this. We are free and able to ask the Holy Spirit at any time to heal us. But if the Holy Spirit does not do it, there is no reason to think that it is because we have no faith or that God does not love us or that God is punishing us. All it means is that God is offering us a gift that is more precious, precious than healing, even though the more difficult for us to accept if health is recovered, it may one day be lost again. But to have been born suffering with patience is something good that will last for eternity. My grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. For whatever you're walking through, sometimes the healing is just that. That his grace is sufficient for each day as you walk through your journey. He's there. He's healing, and his grace is enough. But this time, Jesus chooses to heal through the supernatural healing of the lame man. In the power of Jesus' name, Dr. Keener says, acting in Jesus' name means speaking as his agent, authorized on Jesus' behalf to do what he would do. Peter boldly acts on his name, trusting its efficacy and not on his own. Authorized on Jesus' behalf to do what he would do. What would Jesus do? Heal the sick, care for the needy, set the captives free, resurrect the dead. Jesus saves 
Jesus heals, Jesus redeems, Jesus restores, Jesus makes all things new. And as acting agents, we get to be a part of the redemptive healing process Jesus seeks to bring about in someone else's life. Jesus said, you will do even greater things than I do. That's hard for us to believe. That's hard for me to believe. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and in the authority of the name of Jesus, we can take on death, sin, and the enemy and call forth life in one another. The enemy does not win. Now listen, to act as his agent takes a tremendous amount of wisdom and discernment. How do you know what Jesus would do? You spend time with him. You read his word. You listen to his voice through prayer, through fasting, through authentic community. You know what Jesus would do by becoming more like him. And remember, the signs and wonders, they're a primary means of pointing to the gospel. If we focus just on the miracle and miss the gospel, we have missed the point. We've missed the point. Asbury, where is the Spirit calling you to act on his behalf? Where are the places on this campus in our community that need you to act as an agent authorized on Jesus' behalf to do what he would do. You are an authorized agent, my friends, Christ followers, to do what he would do. Number two, the Spirit brings boldness to proclaim the good news. Another P word, proclaim. Twice in Acts 3 and 4, Peter and John had the opportunity to bear witness or to proclaim the good news to their fellow Israelites and teachers of the law. These moments are a fulfillment, again, of the command that they would bear witness, that they would have power to be witnessed first in Jerusalem. So they're bearing witness in Jerusalem to the good news. Now, Peter has some mic drop moments in this sermon. Listen, I would not boldly call out people like this, but he did. Listen, you handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate. You disowned the holy and righteous one. You asked that a murderer be released. You killed the author of life. You acted in ignorance. He's not winning any friends here. These are bold statements to make in front of people who a few weeks before killed Jesus. It's not like we're in the gospel now. It, this was right after they killed Jesus, and he's boldly making these statements. You, 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 you. You, 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 you killed the author of life. I think we can feel the weight of them because we find ourselves in the middle of them. You disowned him. You've chosen things other than Christ. You killed him. But the story does not end with you or with me or with us. One of my favorite phrases in all the, the Bible is, but God. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. The good news is that Jesus came to take and took on our full humanity, died to save our full humanity, and was raised to life again, setting us free from the guilt and power of sin and death. That is the good news, my friends. So how do we respond to the good news? Peter offers these words to the Israelites. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come. Repent, confess, 
The gift of confession is that it brings light into the darkness and breaks the chains of sin the enemy so desires to entangle you in. Repent, do a complete 180, turn from your old ways and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Wiped out, no longer remembered, gone. Repent so that you can receive the grace and forgiveness Jesus died to give you. My friends, we have to start living in the freedom of the good news that our sins are wiped out, that his grace covers our sins and that we are set free. Too many of us confess and then replay and replay and replay and replay the sins of our past. My friends, that's exhausting and unbiblical. Live in the freedom that Christ died to give you. The enemy doesn't get to win the battle of your past unless you let him. Repent. Turn to God so that, that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing. Who doesn't want that? In a world where our souls get beat up and worn out and tired and covered in sin, who doesn't want or need times of refreshing? This is what he promises us that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Asbury, what do you need to confess this morning? What do you need to have wiped out of your life? And as you confess, may you experience the overwhelming grace of our love and love of our Jesus Christ in your life, that you may be experienced times of refreshing, that healing may come to your body, heart, mind, and soul. The Spirit brings boldness to proclaim the good news. Number three, the Spirit brings boldness in times of persecution. Chapter four, the, the good news that they proclaimed got them thrown in prison. Chapter four begins with Peter and John being thrown into prison for preaching in the name of Jesus and proclaiming the resurrection of Christ. As Matt Leroy said last week, the, go the, the gospel always causes a disturbance. It challenges the status quo. It is the epicenter of disruption. It will threaten your life. The gospel, though, spreads like wildfire in the midst of persecution. In chapter 4, 4, we learn that the, because of the proclamation of the gospel, the number of believers grew to 5,000 that day. In, a, in our world today, most of the fastest growing churches are in the underground churches in countries that experience extreme religious persecution. The Spirit brings boldness in times of persecution. So as they're thrown into prison, Peter and John go into trial in the Sanhedrin. As one commentator, Philip Bent, said, this is a David and Goliath situation. Peter and John are the for sure underdogs going up the, against the highest religious leaders of the day. The Sanhedrin begins by asking, by what power or by what name do you, did you do this? By what power or by what name did you heal this lame man? Verses 8 through 12, Peter says, Filled with the Holy Spirit, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is a stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, which he must be saved. 
Peter again boldly proclaims the good news with a fresh anointing of the Spirit. It's in the power and name of the resurrected Christ that this man was healed. Peter and John are on trial, and yet he confesses to his crime. You see, Peter cannot do anything less than give witness to Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. He is a marked man. He has witnessed these things with his own eyes, and he has experienced the forgiveness and reconciliation of the risen Christ in his life. He cannot do anything less than give witness to the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. He is a marked man. Again, we see Peter call out the yous. You crucified, you rejected. Now, pointing fingers would not be the way that I would go about being on trial, but he points the fingers, but says, but God, but God, nothing you did can thwart the redemptive plan of God. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name in heaven given to mankind by which they must be saved. Peter is making a bold proclamation here that there is no other way, no other God, religion, law, way of thinking or living that can bring about salvation other than Christ. He's reiterating Peter's word in Jesus's words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The road to salvation is narrow, but it is open to all mankind. Since they cannot deny the, the miracle of the lame man, there was nothing the Sanhedrin could say. Now, I would dare guess that the Sanhedrin was not often left speechless, but the miraculous works of Jesus often leave, leave people speechless. Since they cannot find them at fault, they order them to no longer speak in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, what is right for us in, in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. Dr. Keener says, it is clearly impossible for them to obey this order. The same name is doing miracles, and it is the only means available for Jerusalem's salvation. They realize that the only way Jerusalem is going to be saved is by speaking in the name of Jesus. Asbury, what good news do you need to share with our community? What is it that you cannot help speaking about because of what you have seen or heard? What is your witness to God's work? What if it's your witness to God's work that leads to the salvation of others? The Spirit of God brings boldness in times of persecution. Number four, the Spirit brings boldness through prayer. Upon Peter and John's release, the believers pray these words in chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit. And as they prayed, the place where they were were shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Peter and John and the believers prayed in direct response to the order to not speak in the name of Jesus. They considered their threats against them, but considered the benefit of the gospel being spread even greater. They knew the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus that salvation is offered. Their prayer is not only for boldness, but for the salvation of those who hear his name. They asked for signs and wonders to serve as a guidepost 
for the gospel, for the gospel, the, the good news of the gospel. In the following verses, it states that the believers were all in one heart and one mind. They shared everything they had, and the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and that the grace was so powerfully on them and at work in them that there was no one needy among them. No one needy among them. Talk about an answer to prayer, boldness, unity, no one needy among them, signs and wonder, testimony of the resurrected Christ. Think about what we're facing in today's world. Think about it. What if we had such a powerful encounter with a risen Christ and were so filled with the Holy Spirit that we began to pray bold prayers? Prayers that brought boldness and unity, that brought reconciliation to our nation, that crossed barriers and divides so that there was no one needy among us. The Spirit brings boldness through prayer. Asbury, what are you willing to pray and believe for yourself, for your family, for our community, for our nation, and for our world? Would you please, for the sake of the kingdom, pray boldly? Pray boldly for the sake of the kingdom. And as we close today, we're going to sing about the powerful name of Jesus. This morning we've seen how this name of, what the name of Jesus is capable of doing in a life and what he wants to do in your life. And as we close, maybe you need to pray for the spirit to bring boldness to you. Or maybe it's, you need to confess that you need healing so that times of refreshing may come. Or maybe you need something in your life to be wiped out. Or maybe God's placed something on your heart that you've been praying wimpy prayers and it's time to start praying boldly about. As we sing, the altar's always open. Would you come and pray for the spirit to bring boldness to you, to our community, and to our world. Would you stand and sing with us?